Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, we're back with another Patriot Nation podcast. We are joined for our season preview with one of our favorite guests. And after him, we're going to do some over-unders for the season. But first, we got to get to our favorite guest, one of the nicest guys in all of Patriots media, perhaps even in all of media. I don't know. I don't really know a lot of guys from media, but I think so. Uh, it is it is the senator, a legend, Phil Perry. Phil, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man. What an intro. What an intro. <laughs> I even be able to live up to all of that. You're going to think I'm a jerk probably by the end of this podcast. <laughs> Not nonetheless. Not me. Never. I would never think that. Um, but uh, but Phil, you have been banging the drum about Mac Jones, and I think I think your take on Mac Jones, I think, is one of the. I don't want to say one of the more positive ones, but it might be one of the more positive ones because people in 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 Boston Boston media are typically so negative. But I love you know, your take on him being more proactive at the line and getting more of that, uh, more of that ability to kind of make his own checks and make his own reads of the line. And just, just talk briefly about that. Cause I think that that's, I think that's something Patriots fans should be looking forward to this year. Yeah, I, I would, I would qualify that as, um, a little bit of an informed take Patrick, because it's just, it's not even my opinion. It's just based on things that I've heard, uh, from people who would know is that, they did it one way all summer long, essentially. Practices, preseason games, not a lot of audibling at the line of scrimmage. Not a lot of changes being made. They just had these, you know, what Matt Castle calls these call-and-run plays yep. into the huddle, and it means we're getting to the line and we're running it no matter what, no matter what the opposing defense is doing. Now, it makes sense why they would do that this summer in some ways, because they're implementing a new offense. It's really, that's what it is. That's what the players call it is a new offense. It's not a new emphasis. It's not a, a slightly different scheme. It's a, it's they, the way they look at it. The guys who have to execute it is they look at this thing as, as basically entirely new. It's a new language. There are new types of plays that they're, they're centering the thing on. That is the foundation of, of this plan. And so that's how they look at this. So I get wanting to take it slow, not wanting to make a lot of changes at the line. It's enough change for everybody as it is. Imagine if you're Cole Strange, you know, you're not going from one pro system to another, but you're going from UT Chattanooga to the NFL. Like there's a lot on everybody's plate here. And so adding audibles to the list, they didn't really want to do that through the summer. But now that the games matter, it's regular season time. It's not just you guys putting plays on tape just to get them on tape. You're trying to compete. You're trying to use every tool at your disposal to to win these games. And so 
that's my understanding is that Mac Jones will have those tools available to him in a way that they weren't available to him through the summer. And that, that I think is reason for some optimism because as everybody's watching these, uh, these offensive plays all summer, again, whether it's us during these practices or everyone during these games, you know, there are moments in both situations where the offense was getting to the line of scrimmage and knowing this probably ain't going to work, but running it anyway. And so now week one, you should not that you'll have every correct answer to the test, every play, or that you'll always have time to make a change or to make the right change at the line of scrimmage. But the moments where you get to the line and you feel like you don't even have a chance, those should be reduced. And so that should mean a mission offense. So does that mean that what you're hearing, the sense in the building is that Mac's comfortable with what they're doing now with this new offense? They're handing him the reins like this. Yeah, listen, I think he's the least of your worries when it comes to understanding the new language, when it comes to understanding the new concepts, how they're supposed to look, what the answers should be if you do get to the line in this new scheme and, and what the play, the, the the logical, reasonable changes that can be made are. You don't have to worry about him. I would say one reason for concern, even if there's optimism with this, you know, new ability to audible now the concern would be is everybody able to keep up with him so he's comfortable he knows what to what to do with the line but does everybody else that includes the offensive line the communication there has been an issue really all summer that they've been trying to iron out my understanding is you know yes the language has changed that's created a little bit of work for them Uh, i think just missing david andrews through the spring as he recovered from shoulder surgery and then limited early in the summer that I've been told it's has sort of gotten that whole group because he's the brains of the operation there. It's gotten them kind of off to the wrong foot and maybe set them back a little bit. So some more time for them should be some help, but there was a great moment. We went over it on expats with Matt Castle, you know, just to kind of illustrate how everybody might not be up on these changes at the line, the same way Mac is where he sees a look that he doesn't like they're in the spread. It's five wide he makes a hand signal to his left to try to change the route combination Two receivers on his left. He makes a hand signal to his right. He's like chopping his own rib. I'll try to do it here. He's like, he's like giving him one of these, which I'm not sure what that, that signal means. And if castle knows, he didn't tell me that little, you know, <laughs> he might be a little like that in some ways. Cause he's still, you know, he doesn't want to be messing with anything that the team's doing, but no, he's great. I'm kidding. We love him, but, um, but we watched that play together, and we stopped it. As soon as he's giving that signal, you could see Devontae Parker's doing this. He sees him, and he goes – and he has no – he doesn't even really run a route. He just kind of runs like eight yards down the field and turns around, and he almost runs into Hunter Henry. He's running a crossing route across the field. So long story short, um, Mac Jones is comfortable. I think a lot of guys – are getting more comfortable in the system. I wonder how many guys are comfortable when they make changes at the line in the heat of the moment. Right. That's a great point. It's really is a great point. And I, you know, it's, it's a valid concern, right? It's a valid concern. You got some new faces in there, obviously some new faces that you're going to be asking to contribute quite a bit. And you got a guy in John U. Smith last year who looked lost for a lot of time out there. And now you're giving him a new offense and asking him to do you would assume at least a bunch of different things. So it is, 
that is interesting. The one thing for me, and this is where everyone freaks out about the offense and stuff, and I get that. But like the one thing that I look at is that like for forever now, when the Patriots go into a game, you never know what they're go- what they're going to do. You never know what they're going to do. You never know what their game plan is going to be. You never know what plays are going to run. So for people to just think that like, oh, hey, we're going to run all these new plays and these are the plays that we're going to run every single game. That just seems stupid to me. Like, I just I just feel like they're going to have some of those old plays in there. So, yeah, of course, there are going to be some plays that they, maybe they're not super comfortable with or maybe they don't you don't love. But like they are going to have those old reliable plays that they come back to because they are, you know, they do a multitude of different things. And that's going to involve the old offense as well. I just think people are overreacting a little bit to to what they've seen. This is part of why the changes they've made are so interesting to me is that, yeah, I, I'm with you. I never see or it's really hard for me to try to envision Bill, Bill Belichick as a do what we do kind of coach. And we have this identity and it doesn't matter what the opposing defense is going to do or the opposing offense is going to do. Whatever the side of the ball is, we're going to run our stuff and it's going to work. And I'll tell you what, like I just that's never really been Bill Belichick. But. He's never really had to change the offense in this way, you know, shifting from the the system that Charlie Weiss brought over that was adjusted by Josh McDaniels and added to by Josh McDaniels, added to by Bill O'Brien, McDaniels again in his second stint here. So things are different, but I do think at a fundamental level, Bill Belichick will always be a game plan coach. And I think we got evidence of that this summer because we did see some of the old stuff. You know, if... Right. If they're going to try to be the Rams or the Niners, and listen, I've been told by people with the team, hey, yeah, if you guys are making those comparisons, those are apt in that the Patriots are trying to execute more zone runs than in previous years, right? So that's sort of what those systems, those Shanahan systems are based on. Everything kind of works off that, that hard play action game that helps create some of those big plays down the field, the yards after catching the play action game and obviously the the inside-outside zone running game. But what's interesting about the Patriots is that I don't think they're ever going to be, again, to the same point, I don't think they're ever going to be the Rams, who people will tell you, and I don't know the Rams' offense as well as others, but you know, people will tell you the Rams, they, they run like 20 plays, but they just dress them up differently so it looks like they have 100, right? But it, they keep it simple for their offense. They keep it simple for the players that are coming in, free agency or the draft, it's, the concepts are relatively similar and therefore it allows those guys to play fast. It allows those guys not to have to think at the line of scrimmage. They can react more because there's only so much they have to know. The reason I find all of this and how this sort of is intertwined is I thought, and, and what I've been told is the reason that the Patriots changed their their attack this off season was to help guys play faster. But if you're adding new stuff to the old stuff and you're not excising, you're excising some of the old stuff, but not all of the old stuff. So now you're like, you're trying to simplify it the way the Rams are, but you don't have 20 plays. You've got, you've got 75 because you're trying to keep the old stuff in too. Is that helping guys play fast, which I know is what the Patriots want. So it's almost like they're trying to middle it a little bit, right? They want these concepts that, are helping offenses around the league that use these Shanahan style schemes, but they also want to keep some of their, their old Patriot stuff too. 
if you're trying to do both, doesn't that make it harder on the players and does it make it harder for them to pick up some, the of, purpose, the, almost, some right? of the old yeah. stuff? Does it, you know, does it complicate things in some ways? So it's, I think there, I think it's all been a feeling out process this, this entire summer. And um, so that's why everybody's so interested to see what it looks like week one. No, no, totally. Uh, I thought you had a question, Matt, but that's okay. Uh, we can move on. Here's the deal, right? Phil, we're, we're short on time here. Okay. So, you predicted already nine and eight, okay? I did, and I think I I kind of have that same feeling with them that it's going to look similar to what it looked like last year. Now, Darpu Gold kind of is is in the comments here mentioning which which is true. We went into the season last year not knowing if Mac was going to be the starter, and obviously, like you know, you and you and Tom were on it like instantaneously, basically as soon as training camp started. Like, there's no question that that Mac is the quarterback here. But it did take until almost all the way to the regular season to decide that he was the starting quarterback. Now this is his team. He's a captain on the team. Everyone kind of knows that this is his squad, right? And it's been his team since, you know, since last year, right? Since this time last year, basically. Um, and so, you know, do you think that that helps them this year? And realistically, too, and this is my thing, right? And I think I want to talk about the defense with you really quick. We've spent a ton of time on the offense. But, like, I just think the defense is good. Don't you think the defense is going to be better than it was last year? And I know they lost JC Jackson, who was arguably their best defensive player, but I just feel like the talent is better defensively. And there's more question marks for sure. But I think that the talent and speed and athleticism is, is maybe even significantly better than it was last year, in my opinion. So just to start on Mac, I mean, I, I think they are, they're lucky that he's their quarterback. I mean, I, I, I have just spoken to too many people who know too much about quarterback play, much more than I ever will, who believe in him so strongly that they have a real player there. You know, and I talked to Tom House, who is well known for being Tom Brady's throwing coach and Drew Brees' throwing coach and Nolan Ryan's and Randy Johnson's and the list goes on and on and on. That 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 hip thrust uh, thing that you see like Dak Prescott and others do, that's like the Tom House thing. Eli and Peyton Manning talked about him on Monday Night Football last year. Um, he worked with Mac Jones several times this off season and, you know, they, they did a lot of different things. Some of those things that he couldn't go into detail on, um, on the podcast, but, you know, he did talk about just how smart he is and his level of intensity that he brings to his practice reps and how they actually have to dial him back because he's so competitive, even if it's, the middle of June and they're in San Diego and they're just trying to go through some drills that are going to help him, you know, get five extra yards on his deep ball, you know, but he's, he's in overdrive all the time. And to hear him talk about Mac Jones and the way that he did understanding that he's worked so closely with guys like breeze and Brady hall of fame level quarterbacks. Yes, but extremely, extremely competitive human beings. I think that that speaks volumes. And so they've got a good one. That's how Tom House feels. I know others as well. You know, I've talked to someone in the league who's worked with multiple Hall of Fame level quarterbacks in the past, not Tom House, a different person, um, who just raves about his intelligence and his football IQ and said if he wanted to retire today and be an offensive coordinator, he could. And and he'd be an NFL level offensive coordinator. So that's where he's at. You know, the more 
autonomy you can give him, the more leadership you can give him. He's a captain now. I say the better. As far as the defense goes, I, they are faster. I, I'll agree with you there. And I think that will help them in a matchup like whether it's Miami or how about just week two against Pittsburgh. You know, they've yeah. got a, a really good receiving core, as they always do, and they're going to have a fast quarterback and Mitch Trubisky out there probably running around a little bit. So that should help them. I do just I do worry a little bit about the, the quote-unquote number one corner thing, right. uh, not having J.C. Jackson, although – I will say, at the same time, I wrote about this in my mailbag today. I had Jalen Mills as their team MVP, offense and defense, uh, for the training camp practices this summer, all through uh, late July through August. He just was so consistent and impressed me so frequently that I feel like he's gotten better. Again, we'll see what it looks like when things actually matter. But I think there's a chance he makes the sting of the J.C. Jackson loss a little bit more mitigated than maybe we were anticipating. I thought even against Devontae Adams in the second joint practice they had with the Raiders, he had some really impressive reps. So he knows he's got to be the guy to an extent. I think they'll play a lot more zone this year. But when they do have to go one-on-one and there's a bigger receiver across the way, you know, he's He's going to be the one who's looked to cover Stephon Diggs, for instance. Uh, and he takes a lot of pride in that. And he's he's a professional. His teammates rave about him. And um, if he can get anywhere near approaching a, a legitimate CB1, you want to put right. it that way, you know, then then this defense does have a chance to to really help them win games. But, um, you know, that – that it's that Buffalo matchup. It's the it's the matchups with the true number ones and the Buffalo right. matchup that kind of looms. And it's like, how can you know how that's th- how that thing's going to go until the you hard think, the hard it. thing is that Diggs made J.C. Jackson look like a scrub last year too. So it's not it's not even you know it's like yeah Jalen Mills sure but like you know J.C. Jackson was out there and and he's you Mills know missed top. that game he missed that game up in the playoffs. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So you know so we'll see. But I'll tell you what I really hope he does because. Losing Jackson and Gilmore last year and getting at best a third and sixth round pick next year is just not great. And so, like, if Jalen Mills can can do something, then at least we can look at it and say, like, okay, at least it wasn't a total disaster. But Phil, I know you got to go. You said nine and eight, right? I know Matt. Do you got something for him? I had them at I had them at ten and seven, like before the summer, and really for most of the off season, it kept coming yep. up, coming up, coming up. I had them at ten and seven. Uh, I thought that should be the floors, 10 wins again, you know, based on where they were last year and Mac Jones' second year and even with the coaching changes. But it just has gone slow enough, Matt, in terms of everybody picking this up and getting it down that I think maybe there's a game early in the season that that I anticipated them winning that I'm not sure they would win. Like I think in that 17-game, uh, game-by-game prediction that I um, put together last week, I think I had them going 1-3 and three in their first four games. Um, yep. winning that Pittsburgh game in week two. So I just I just think this has the the makings potentially of a slow start like last year. Um, and then the, the finish to the schedule is really difficult too. I think they can they could rack up some wins right in the middle there, but uh, I've got them I, I docked them one based base, basically on the summer and what we've seen. The last couple of times they started the year with two on the road, it was a two and two start and they won the Super Bowl both of those years. so. Never an easy way to start with a young team. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I will say, I do think 
on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, people are going to be writing articles about, geez, man, we we talked about the Patriots sucking, and they looked like sh- they looked like crap all off season, and they went into Miami and won, and now we don't know what the hell to think. And so that's what I think is going to happen on Sunday. I really do believe that because Belichick's back right now is kind of against the wall a little bit, right? And And, and you know, Kraft has called him out, and the media is going crazy right now. And I mean, everyone, and I mean, everyone wants to see the demise of the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And I just feel like that is a perfect setup for them to go down to Miami and win the first game of the season. And everyone to just be like, wait, what? I thought they were dead. Like, then they won. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility. I mean, we, what do we know about Mike McDaniel and how right. that operation is going to go? And Tyree kills your highest paid player. And Tua Tungavailoa hasn't impressed yeah. anyone really through, through two years. And so there's a, there's a million ways in which this game could go. I, I do think if the Patriots end up just kind of spreading it out and letting Mac Jones play point guard and letting him make those calls at the line of scrimmage and seeing those blitzers, we know the Dolphins love to blitz. I'm not sure the line is ready for it, but if the Patriots can spread them out and Mac Jones can identify where the pressure is coming from and really kind of operate as his own best protection, I could see them moving the ball and scoring enough points and and the defense playing well enough to, to make it a relatively low scoring game and, and, and having them win that game. It's to me, the surprise, the real surprise would be if they run this wide zone stuff and it's like clockwork, it's like a well-oiled machine. And all of a sudden it's, you know, they're picking up six, (laughs) eight, four, five, four, 12, all on the ground, this wide zone stuff. And then they, you know, they pull it out of Ramondre Stevenson's stomach on a couple of these stretch fakes and they bootleg out and they hit Devante Parker for like 55, like, that's the stuff that would surprise me. If they go and spread it out and run their two-minute drill or their their uh, hurry-up type of attack, that stuff has, has looked pretty good in practice. It's usually towards the end of practice, and a lot of these practices we say, man, it, the offense struggled all day, but they they salvaged and you know they salvaged it to an extent, not completely, yeah. but they you know they ended up showing up in the last period. You know that's the that's the kind of thing I I could see happening if they're going to have success in this game. And that's that happened at the start of last year too. That Saints game, the offense couldn't get going until they started running some no huddle at the end of the first half. That's where Mac thrives. Right. I think they're I think they're reluctant to do that because they want to be balanced, but you know they also want to win the game. So that that's a that's a little battle within the battle that Bill Belichick will have to to wage against himself. Maybe. Agreed. What, Agreed. One quick question here: Are we going to see any RPOs with Mac Jones? I think we will. I really do. I, I uh, you know, I guess it depends on game flow and if they're, you know, in obvious passing situations, um, you know, those those run calls won't have the opportunity to become passing plays. Um, but yes, based on what we've seen in training camp, it's not like it's been a, a massive, massive part of what they're trying to do, but it is a part of what they're trying to do this summer more so than I can remember. And so it's something that Mac Jones was comfortable with, obviously, coming from Alabama. I know he has mentioned at times in some of his press conferences even, hey, you know, we're trying to work on some things that that I'm comfortable with, with that I've done in the past. You know, and and he's specifying I've I've done it in the past, not we've done it in the past, not that we did it last year because they really didn't do it last year. Um, but that's something that, that I think we'll see. I think, um, you know, between the RPOs, the wide zone, the Johnu Smith aligned in a variety of different ways and used in a variety of different ways. I think there are going to be some new wrinkles for this Patriots offense that'll be fun for us to dig into after the fact.
Agreed. Love it. Uh, he is Phil Perry. He is the host of, by the way, Next Pat's podcast. If you're not, for some reason, if you're not listening to it, get on it. Phil, you do a great job all offseason. Even talk to my to my guy, Trey Nixon. You got to get, get a word in there for me so that he can come on the show and talk to the conductor of the Trey Nixon hype train. It's still in the station. It, I'm not he putting it away. Great. It's still there. He was okay, great. He's like still around. we're he's waiting, still around. we're waiting. I'm telling you, you, got one more year of season. He's gonna be back on the team, uh, for sure. But uh, anything else you want to plug uh, outside of that? Obviously, you're with Tom on the on the Patriots Talk podcast. But uh, anything else? Yeah, well, we've just got our. It's you know now that it's week one, our football shows have have started up again. So every night at six o'clock, we've got a football show for you all before early edition starts. Early edition is gonna be at six thirty now, every night. So Monday will be the show that I host with Ted. Um, which is a lot of fun. I'm always getting beat up on stage, but it, but it's Ted's chance to really show how things work, how the te- techniques of, of some of the little things in the game actually work. Um, and so that's the breakdown. It's every Monday, 6 o'clock. Uh, it's starting. Uh, that one will start. That's the one show that we haven't yet done because we need a game to talk about. So now that we'll have a game to talk about on Sunday, uh, the, uh, the, the breakdown – uh, we'll be there for you at 6 o'clock on Monday. We had Vince Wilfork tonight for the first time. We've got him all season on the game plan, which is Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. Quick slants on Tuesday. Um, we've got you covered every single night at 6. So uh, love it. we'd love it for people to tune into those. Absolutely. I mean, come on. Phil Perry and Vince Wilfork, what the hell else do you need? I mean, come on. He's looking slim, too. It looks like he could play linebacker if he wanted to. He used to tell me. I used to ask him about his weight. We used to have a fun uh, little back and forth about his weight because he was always listed at 325, and no one believed him. Um, <laughs> and I did a long story on Patriots nutrition and how he kind of gained a few years on his career based on some of the changes he made his last few years with the Patriots. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do that story. But he used to tell me, hey, man, people people think I'm heavier than I am because of my belly it's sort of my signature but I can't do anything about it if you cut my belly out I'd look like a bleeping linebacker so and he kind of does great. he kind of does now so good for him he's looking Love great he's going to make his way back into the ESPN body issue now yeah there right there you go yeah, <laughs> see in a much Love different it. way yeah yeah so all right thanks Phil we appreciate it man thank you so all much right, and uh best of luck this year and uh we appreciate you have, have you coming on with us Matt Pat love talking to you guys talk to you soon I'm sure Enjoy Sounds the game good. on Sunday. We yes. finally got a game. Enjoy it. Oh, thank All God. Right. <laughs> thank you, Phil. All right. See you guys. All right. What a guy. What yeah. freaking love Phil so much. Uh, your face when, <laughs> when Will Folk's name dropped. So true. I was like, he said Will Folk. I'm like, what? What? And I'm your just, face was great. It was so good. I'm, I'm just remembering going to the grocery store as a kid, too. And you got the uh, – he, he did the big Y ads. You'd have all the Will Fork stand-ins yep. all over the yep. store. <laughs> Man, dark blue gold. By the way, your comment on Mac to rush for 500 yards. I know we're going to do over unders. We could we could throw that in there. That is we're not throwing. Everyone's <laughs> pounding the under on that one. It's a little too high. Uh, maybe maybe 100 we can talk about. 500. I don't know about that. Um, although he's got some wheels. You saw it. You saw it in the preseason. He's got some wheels. He can run. Yeah. When you know? he, I mean, the plus side of the line having issues is that. If they have issues, but they can clear out some space in the middle, Mac should just be able to take off. Right. Exactly. It's not a, exactly he's in the right. best shape of his life. We've heard it. <laughs> he is. That's true. Everyone's in the best shape of life at this point. But uh, but not, yes, not me. Wow. Great. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Maybe head to <laughs> the gym after this. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we're gonna do, we're gonna get some over unders. We mentioned this earlier. We're gonna get some over unders. For the season, we'll actually keep track of these, unlike last year when me, Keegan, and Spags did it, and then we never kept track of anything. 
Um, and so that was, uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> we did it. It was there. The podcast is there. You can listen to it. We just never actually tracked whether we were right or not. So, uh, so we'll do a better job of that this time. Um, so Mac Jones, we're gonna start with Mac. Okay. Um, over under for passing yards. You said it at 3,900 as the number just for context. He threw for 3,801 last year. Okay, Matt, you going over or under? I'm going to take the under. First of all, if the rushing game is having issues, they're going to have to throw it more anyway. And, I mean, he's... Wait, you're taking the under and saying the over? over. Oh, you're taking the over. Now I got it. Okay. Um, And I think we should all hope he's a better quarterback. I mean, if Phil has anything to say about it, he's a fantastic quarterback. So I think he should be able to hit that 4,000-yard mark. I think that's really the goal, but... Yeah, thirty nine hundred is kind of that next next bar up. I agree one hundred percent. I'm going over as well. Okay, mm-hmm. over as well. So Damian Harris, Damian Harris, are going nine hundred rushing yards last year. Nine hundred twenty nine rushing yards last year. My prediction for Harris was twelve hundred yards and ten touchdowns. That didn't happen, but nine twenty nine and fifteen touchdowns did. Or maybe I said ten. It doesn't matter. Either way, <laughs> he was a beast in fantasy last year. Uh, nine hundred rushing yards over under Matt. What do you got? I'm taking the under. I think Stevenson's going to cut into that. I think Ty Montgomery, who practiced today, hopefully we'll get to Crazy. see him week one. I think he can cut into that a little bit. Um, it's not really a matter of how good the backs are. It's really going to be about how they decide to use them and how many reps each one's going to get. But I think Harris, is re- Harris and Stevenson are both so good. It's hard to take either one of them off the field. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I got to go under at this point. Look, he might get seven, 800 yards and shoot. Maybe he does get over 900, but Mondra is going to be on the field a decent amount. Like, and, and everyone keep kind of keep saying it. And I kind of agree. Ramondre might be their best all around back. Damian Harris, is a damn good running back though. He is, he is better than I think people give him credit for. Um, but you know, it's tough to take Ramondre off the field. And so I can see that. Um, but it's going to be really interesting for me to kind of see kind of who gets the carries and, and what, because honestly, when Ramondre's on the field, you, you really don't know what the Patriots are going to do, right? Damian Harris, they don't throw it to him a ton. Ramondre can be in the backfield and all of a sudden he splits out into the, you know, into the slot and he can run routes from the slot. We saw him do it a little bit last year. So um, I do think he's going to play a decent amount more than he did last year. He was a rookie last year. And fumbled in the first game, right? So, like, he had some bumps coming along the way. And Harris still only ended up with 929. Now, of course, he missed a game or two in there because of injury. But still, I still think uh, the under 900 is a, is a pretty safe bet on that one. Yeah, And if I had to guess how these reps are going to get split, it's probably, what, 40% of them are going to go to Harris and, like, 35% of them to Stevenson, 25% to Montgomery, something like that. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I actually think it might be a little bit lower on Montgomery, but you never know. You never know. Depends on what they do for the third down stuff. Very true. Very true. It's a good point. All right. So uh, next one is Devontae Parker, brand new member of the New England Patriots. We're going over under three and a half touchdowns. Uh, last year, he had two. Mm-hmm. Last year was last year. Are you going over or under, Matt? This one, I feel like when it comes to Parker, it's not as much about if he's good enough to do it. It's about him staying healthy. Right. Because he has 
he's surpassed that mark a couple of times. He played 14 games in 2020. He had four touchdowns. He played 16 games in 2019. He had nine touchdowns. He played 15 games his second year. He got four touchdowns. So he, he's hit that mark. I'm going to take the over because I like him being healthy. I also think with Jacoby Myers being allergic to the end zone, uh, Parker might just get – there might be a little bit of magic, some voodoo involved there, getting Parker the ball down low. But, yeah. yeah I'm uh, you. Man, we're going all chalk here, man. We're, we're agreeing too much. I'm going to say over as well. I actually think it might be significantly over. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get seven this year. Um, but, again, it's going to all depend on his health. I just think if Jonu is more – and we'll get to Jonu in a minute. If John was more involved in the offense, which I think he will be, then you have Jonu, Hunter Henry, and Parker in the red zone. And that's tough to beat, man. And then what you got out of Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers last year out of the, you know, as receiving as well, I just feel like that's enough to make the argument that Parker can have seven touchdowns. You're going to leave him one-on-one. And he's so good in those 50-50 balls that you just throw it up there and he comes down with a decent amount of them. So uh, to me, I'm going over on that for sure. Uh, all right. Next is uh, next up is Tyquan Thornton currently on the injured reserve. Uh, should be back after week four, if not sometime around week five or six. You have over under three hundred yards for Tyquan Thornton. Just to put it in perspective, Aaron Dobson, who also missed some games rookie year, had five hundred nineteen yards. Deion Branch, four hundred eighty nine yards. And I feel like you just put this one into to mess with me, but uh, Nikhil Harry with 105 yards as a rookie. Let's just it's pray to closest, God he gets more than the, Nikhil. Yeah. It's the most most recent. I trying to remember what the actual yardage mark is, but at one point I was contemplating saying which will be higher: Thornton yards this year or Nikhil Harry career, oh, career. receiving yikes. yards. Yikes! Uh, That's just mean. I don't have that number off the top of my head. I think it it's not high. Five, maybe. Yeah, um, no, it's not great. I'm sure it's not great. I'm not going to look yeah. it up because I don't want to do that to five, myself. I just five, mentally, I just don't want to do that. 598, 598, oh, which is better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm if he, as long as he actually, as long as Thornton comes back here, I'm going to take the over because I like what we saw from him. And in some ways, Thornton is almost the biggest. Like if he if he's able to do this, he kind of impacts that Parker bet. He's going to impact that John New Smith thing we got coming up. Because he'll just take targets away. I think he's good. I really like him, uh, and right. I think he'll. I think he'll force them to put him on the field. I agree. I agree. And as Dark Blue Gold says, he does have the speed. That's very true. Um, he's got the I'm juice. Gonna go, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. Does that make me a hater a little bit? But I'm gonna go under simply because there's just too many guys in the roster. There's just there's yeah. so many guys in the roster, and he showed that he can play in the preseason. I, there's no doubt about that. He showed he can play in the preseason, but the question is, if he comes back and it's week five or week six, and the Patriots offense looked okay, and, and Nelson Aguilar is actually doing something, and Kendrick Bourne's been good, and Jacoby Myers has been good, and Devontae Parker's still healthy and playing good, where is he coming in, right? And so I can see him being kind of that deep threat, but we might not see much more from him this year simply because there are just too many bodies in front of him and then next year when Aguilar is gone and some of those guys are not in front of him anymore, then we'll see more of him. I could see that. I could see that happening. So we'll see. 
But I'm going to take the under also because like it's this is kind of dumb if we just do the same thing over and over again. So <laughs> so I'm going yeah. I'm going separate. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing with Thornton, too, is, I mean, Aguilar is a guy who's been inconsistent. Parker's had right. injury issues. Yep. Born did not have the best camp. It's one of those weird situations where on paper, the top four are locked in and should see a ton of playing time. But there's an easy scenario where it's week 11 and you're looking at, oh, it's Bourne, Myers, and Thornton as the, the guys out there. Yep. No, I mean, you could certainly see that too. Yep. Yeah. And Dark Blue yeah, Gold, yes, we do have that coming up. We do. Yes, we do. Uh, Johnu Smith is next on the list, though. Johnu Smith over under 30 receptions. Had 28 last year. I'm taking the under. What? Here's the okay. thing, and I he might be more efficient this year. But like we said, there's more mouths to feed, and somebody's somebody's got to have an empty plate because of it. And I don't think he's bad. I just think he's. It feels like they're swap. They're going to try to do the two tight end stuff. I bet eventually it's going to end up being one tight end, and Johnny's going to be the guy out there in run situations. His blocking looks better to me this year, at least in the preseason. Um, I think he'll be an effective player. It just it might not come with some massive yardage total. It might be more so he's going to get 25 catches and five of them might be touchdowns. And he's also going to get a handful of carries here and there. Right. Which is a good point. And Dark Blue Gold did say that he genuinely might have a lot of carries, which it is possible that he might have a lot of carries. I'm pounding. I am pounding the over on 30. If the if the receptions are set at 30, I am pounding the over on this. And the reason why is because I really do think he is a matchup problem for the Patriots. He is a guy that has the speed to beat any linebacker that covers him and has the the strength and athleticism to overpower pretty much any safety that covers him. And so and he's so good with the ball in his hands. So like I just think they're going to try to get him the ball more than they did last year. And they tried it a few times last year. And he just didn't know what he was doing or he's in the wrong spot or he was, you know, dropping passes directly into Marshawn Lattimore's hand for an interception. Like, you know, things like that. I rewatched the highlights from that game the other day just to kind of I'm re-familiarizing myself with everything from last year. And I I forgot how how painful that was. I also (laughs) forgot. uh, I think Johnu had a third, roughly a third of his catches he had all season in the first two games last year. Um. So obviously they wanted to get him the ball. I think he's I think he, I like what Dark Blue Gold said. I think he'll be more of a gadget guy this year. If they go to more they're doing the zone stuff, the new offense, there's a lot of jet sweeps that come with that. Mm-hmm. And I think he could be useful there. No fullback this year, too. Right. We don't know what this team is gonna look like at the goal line. Maybe they line him up in the backfield, give him some some opportunities there, get him some weird matchups. I think he'll be more of a matchup guy though. I don't think he's gonna get the volume. I will tell you, just because I'm a hashtag math guy, uh, 34 receptions means two a game. I don't think it's that much to ask to have John o. Smith have two receptions a game. I think I'd be surprised if it was less than that, um, well, which is why I'm going over. Well, here's something for you. Uh, only twice in his career has he passed that mark. He had 18 receptions his first year, then 20, then 35, then 41, and then 28 right. last year. Yeah. He's kind of so, hovering around know, that mark. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So we'll see. We'll see. We disagree on that, but that's okay. That's okay. So Christian Barmore's up next. Christian Barmore. Barmore's up it. next with sacks. That is at, at five. He had one and a half last year as a rookie. Are you going over or under five? I am smashing this over. 
he had he did not have a very good conversion rate of pressures into sacks last year. He got really I I remember he his first sack came pretty late in the season. It was one of yeah. those that was his first sack. I felt like I'd seen a couple of them um, before that. So, yeah, I think he's probably going to be the wrecking ball. The only way this doesn't happen, I think, is if he he's getting a double team every single time. And that's okay because the other guys are not winning their single blocks, which is possible. We'll see how the season goes. Yeah. But All right, listen. No, go ahead. Now, nah, if he's if he's getting matched up one on one, he's not Aaron Donald, but he'll he'll win that quite a few times and get some sacks. I mean, he dominated the Patriots offensive line in one on ones all like all summer, just all summer. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things for me. I'm actually going to go under here. And the reason why I'm going to go under is the exact reason you said the conversion rate wasn't great. I do think he's going to have a bunch of pressures. I think he's going to be a pretty dominant interior defensive lineman. But he's also an interior defensive lineman, and he's not Aaron Donald, and it's not there yet. Now, I do think he's going to he's going to demand a decent amount of double teams. Now, we're going to talk about Matthew Judon next. I think what you're going to see happen is Barmore force guys to move elsewhere, and then somebody else gets the sack, or the ball gets thrown away, or it's a bad throw when it gets picked off. I think you're going to see a lot more of that than you are of him getting those sacks. Now, maybe I'm wrong. But I think his sack total might be around three and a half, four, four and a half, just because the pressures are going to be there. But I don't know if the sacks are going to be there just yet. Maybe they will get there. Maybe he will. I don't know. But that's kind of my thought process on it is that I think that it's going to be more pressure laden like it was last year. But I do think I think he's evolving into this player. But I don't think that he's quite there number-wise yet. I do think the pressures are going to be there. I think we're going to look back at this year and say, like, wow, like he was he was really good inside. Mm-hmm. But those numbers, the sack, you know, the quote-unquote counting stats may not be as high as some of the Pro Bowl voters might like. But I think people around the league are going to be talking about how good Christian Barmore is at the end of this year, regardless of what his sack numbers are. And I think he seems improved in the running game, which will be huge for him to get more looks. He played 55% of the team's snaps last year, which is, that's a good number. But if you can bump that up a little bit, more opportunities to get to the quarterback, it's always, always a good thing. Yeah, agreed. All right, next one is, is Josh Uche. Josh Uche, you set the over under at three sacks, three sacks. That's what he had last year. Over under. Oh, boy. Can I? I mean, there's a part of me that says over, and not for the Patriots. Well, that he he gets shipped off somewhere. I I just I was going back that the preseason game against the Panthers. He had one rep where he's against Aquanu, and he just yep. absolutely dusted him immediately Smoke. for a sack. Yeah, and it's stuff like that that makes you go, "Wow!" Like this, he can really bring it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm just gonna take a push here. I'm gonna say he hits three exactly again. I think All right. it's, just, it's going to depend on how much he gets on the field, and he'll get he'll get pressures. It's just how how often he can be out there in those situations. Let me tell you something. If he's not over three, then he should have not even made the fifty three man roster. Like I I had him when I did my first fifty three man roster. I had him off the fifty three man roster because of this exact situation. Because I'm concerned that they don't care enough about these. One one trick pony guys, right? Just get after the quarterback. 
that's what he does. That's all he does. He just gets out of the quarterback. Now, the argument I will make is Mark Anderson, who objectively, not a great defensive end, came to the Patriots, had 10 sacks, and then went off and had a big contract the next year, right, and was okay. He's kind of the guy I would look at and say, look, if you have this guy that can rush the quarterback and you need quarterback pressures, then put him on the field and just let him run the rush the quarterback. Like, I just... Why are we trying to make him something he's not, right? And if you don't, if he doesn't do enough for you, he's never going to set the edge. He sucks at it. He just does. That's just that's just the fact. He's never going to be good against the run. He's just not, okay? He's there to rush the passer. If you are not going to have him rush the passer, why is he on the team? And so I have to believe he's on the team because the Patriots said, look, we know what he can and can't do. But he's a waste of a player if we don't just set set him loose, right? So obvious passing downs. He goes in, pin your ears back, go get him. Like just to me, it's just like that's what you have to do because otherwise you're just wasting a roster spot. Yeah. Well, and the crazy thing about this is that the team is losing three different guys who were getting snaps ahead of him last year in Van Noy, Hightower, and Jamie Collins. And somehow this linebacker room might be just as crowded. I mean, there's right. no, we have no idea how much he's going to play this year because they seem to like Jennings more on the outside in early downs when they want the extra outside linebacker and right. off the line, he is not really an option. I mean, they got Jelani Tavai out there ahead of Josh Uche oh, in that situation God. that says, and Tavai is the better player for that role. I know That's, which is Uche, Uche does one thing. He's a one trick pony and he's so good at it. Yeah, but so that's what I would say. Turn him loose, or or cut him, or trade him. But you know, like that's you, to your point. Like, if you're not going to cut him loose, then just get rid of him. Um, somebody will value that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's how you got Matt Wilson? <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. So, all right, Matthew Judon, the uh, the uh, highly anticipated Matthew Judon, uh, twelve and a half sacks last year. You set the over under at nine. Are you going over or under? I think I'm going under on this one, too. Okay. And not for anything. I mean, I, I went over on Barmore. I think they're going to get more pressure from the inside. I think they're going to get more pressure from a variety of places this year. I think you're going to see McMillan be part of this. I think you're going to see Bentley be part of this. You're going to see Mac Wilson when he's out there, Anthony Jennings. Um, and Devon Godshaw, I thought, I thought a little bit better in the pass rush from what we were seeing, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys who can do that. He's Judon has only had more than nine sacks twice in his career. He did it last year, and he did it in 2019. Otherwise, he's been hovering just below it. He has a season of eight. He has a seven. He has a six in there. I think he's going to return to probably about that range. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. I'm going over, though. I just feel like... I feel like the the more guys that are there, the better it's going to be for Judon because if you have guys that you have to pay attention to, you're not going to be able to do what you did at the end of the year to him, which is just throw 75 different guys at him Mm -hmm. so that every single play he's getting double and triple teamed and he's getting, you know, he's getting chipped by a back on every single play. And then he just wore down by the end of the year. Right. I think, if you have guys that can get after the quarterback that are not named Matthew Judon, that's a good thing for Matthew Judon. And I think that that's going to actually free him up to have more. 
And so that's why I'm saying more. I don't think he'll have more than 12 and a half, which he had last year, but I do think that he'll have 10 plus sacks uh, this upcoming year. So, so, all right. Uh, Devin McCourty with three more Devin McCourty. We're going interceptions here over under two and a half. Take the under on this one too. I think we're going to like with the sacks. I think we're going to get the interceptions from a variety of places. There's no ball Hawk. McCourty's right. good for some it's here's the thing. This is a, he can, he could beat this number in a game potentially. Uh, and with the safety depth, I think he's going to be able to do a lot more on D. You know what? I'm, I'm talking myself out of my own answer. I'm switching <laughs> to the over. <laughs> I think, I think they're going to be able to use him more all around the field. So he might get some picks single high, but now he'll be able to play robber a little bit, mm-hmm. try to come under guys, find, find a spot. And um, I don't know, intercept some balls. It's yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go over. Why not? I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think having the extra safeties kind of allows him to move around the field. You have guys that can do different things. Um, I like that quite a bit. I like that quite a bit. Okay. So, oh, is it is a good question. Over under how many times Pat will cut and re-sign Trainix into his Scotia Dynasty team? That number, we can set the over under at zero. Or yeah, do we can set the over under? not cutting him. Never again. Never again. <laughs> I had to. I had to cut him. I had no choice this year. Uh, because I didn't have enough enough people there, but I will, I will keep him on my team. It's gonna happen. So now, now here's there here's the question: have, have you sent him any uh, any DMs or anything saying, "Hey, I'm your fantasy <sighs> coach. I'm rooting for you. I need you to step up." I wish I had. I wish I had thought of it. But now, now it's just you know, <laughs> now it's just. But that was so amazing because that is that's the exact uh, that's. That's the word for word Denzel Washington to uh, to Donald Faison or Petey in in uh, in Remember the Titans, and it's just so perfect. That's like one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite coach to player interactions <laughs> in movie history. So uh, it was so good. And but the funny part is that he probably didn't even get the joke because he's so young that he maybe hasn't even seen the movie. You know. So yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, anyways, all right. So, what's we got? Last two here. So, we got total points allowed by the defense. Total points allowed by the defense. They allowed three hundred three points last year. You set the over under at three hundred fifty. Matt, you going over or under three hundred fifty points? I'm gonna go under. I like this defense. I don't think it'll be as good as it was last year, but I think we're gonna see a lot of bend and don't break. I think it's just gonna be. It's gonna be like those. Uh, I don't know, like 2011, 2012, some of those years where there's good players, but there's a lot of, all right, we're just going to give up a field goal every other drive and maybe allow a touchdown, which means a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. And they'll come in probably just under that 350 number. I like it. I like it. I'm going under as well. I think, I actually think that this defense, I said to Phil earlier, I'll say it again. I think this defense might have more talent than last year. That's crazy to say. That seems crazy for me to say, but. I do think they do. I think that this league is about speed and athleticism, and they are significantly faster and more athletic than they were last year. And don't forget now, Jonathan Jones got hurt in like what, like week three or week four. So he missed the majority of the season last year. And so now you're getting back one of these guys that is, you know, that was super athletic that you had on the team last year, but didn't play. And so, you know, that's one of those things for me that I do think, they're going to be maybe just as good, if not better, than they were last year. So I actually, I think, uh, I think they'd be pretty comfortably under that three hundred and fifty number. 
my only concern with it, really, and this is going to segue us nicely to the last question. How can they force turnovers? No, mm-hmm. JC Jackson, you got to you can have some pretty big point swings if you can force some turnovers in these games. If you're able to do that, it's going to get a lot easier for the defense. Yeah, Mr. INT is is gone. So that's going to be that's going to be a question. So you're right. Turnover differential here. They were plus seven last year. You have the over under set at plus 10. Are we going to go over 10, over plus 10, or of course, under plus 10? What do you think of that? I'm going to go under because I think it is not going to be a lot of turnovers in Patriots games this year. I think Mac is going to be a little bit more disciplined. I, he, he still had pretty good interception numbers last year. Yeah. Uh, but I think he'll, he'll tune it down a little bit. I think it was 13 last year. I don't know if he'll get it down in single digits, but he might bring that down to 10 or 11. And hopefully a couple less fumbles. And then the flip side, you're going to see the defense probably. I mean, you're losing a whole bunch of picks there from J.C. Jackson. I don't know how you're going to you're going to make that difference up. So I think they're going to be positive, but around the same number as what they had last season. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm going under as well. Um, I will tell you, Jack Jones, Jack Jones could be the difference maker. He's a guy that, you know, has been has been jumping routes all season or all summer, I should say. And if he gets some playing time and shows that he can play, he's a guy that similar to JC Jackson, he just has a nose for the football and just makes those plays. And so I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. The problem is he's a rookie. So like, I don't know if you can expect him to get seven or eight interceptions this year. I think if he plays well, I think that that's going to be, that could be an interesting situation where you look at it and say, Hey, now all of a sudden Jack, Jack Jones on the field, he's got five, six interceptions. I can see that happening. Um, yeah. But I think you're right about offensively because, man, they fumbled. And Dark Pugo pointed out, like, you know, you lose the Miami game last year because Damian Harris fumbles. Damian Harris was walking it, not walking it, but Damian Harris at the goal line against against Houston and fumbled at the goal line against Houston. So all of those different situations where you lose a fumble, we mentioned Ramondre, you know, one of the first games of season fumble. So those are the things for me that, like, you have to clean those things up. And I think that they will, but I think you're right. You're going to see the turnovers from the defense come down a little bit from where they were. I agree. And when you're talking turnovers, I got I was doing some research this week, Pat. I got oh, some, yes. I got some stats for Love you it. here. Let's do it. Love it. Last year, when the Patriots turned the ball over two times or more, they were two and eight. When they turned it over just once or none, they were eight and zero. Oh. Unbelievable. That's it. See. That's it right there. Yeah, and, and it, it's. Yeah, and the what do you call it? the two wins that they had with two plus turnovers? They had two turnovers at Houston. And they forced yep. one, and they had two turnovers at Carolina, but forced three. One of them was a pick six. That's right. Yep, and that it makes it makes such a difference. And I remember you talk about analytics, right? And I remember someone I forget who it was, but someone was saying, "Look, you can you can look at analytics." <laughs> turnovers are bad. <laughs> who knew? That's true. Turnovers are bad. Who who knew? Who knew? Who could have guessed the turnovers would be a bad thing? But, you know, it, it's one of those interesting things that I, I forget. I can't. I don't know who it was because it was years ago at this point. But, you know, they had a whatever podcast I listened to had an analytics guy on. And he said, look, I can tell you what the analytics are. And I don't need I can tell you what the win probability is going to be. And I don't need any touchdowns. Give me the quarterback stats and don't give me the touchdowns. Give me the interceptions. If he doesn't throw an interception, you get a 75 percent chance, 75 percent chance of winning the game. That's it. One interception, you're down to 50. More than one, you're down to like 25, 30%. 
And then you get to like four and you're at like 0%, right? So it's like, it's one of those things where turning the ball over a lot, you don't win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you throw touchdown passes. It doesn't make a difference because you, if you're turning it over a ton, it's it's a mess, right? And Darpa Gold said too, which is true. I'll take pass pickups on third down. I don't care. Yeah, we don't need any Basically, of right? course, turnovers. Yeah. Right. And, and so as that's one as, of those as things. As long as you're not allowing some kind of fourth down conversion or exactly. a fake punt or anything. Get off the field. As long as you can get off the field, that's all yeah. that really matters. And of course, if you flip the field, that's great. If you get a pick six, it's awesome. Like it adds to it, but you don't necessarily need it. And I think that's kind of the point, right? And so, um, yeah, and there might be a little bit few fewer explosive plays, but if the offense can cut down on their turnovers, then we look at it and say, okay, we can take that as long as as long as we're turning the ball over less offensively. So I think that would be uh that would be a good thing. All right, so that was good. So listen, we're gonna we're gonna revisit that. Hopefully mid season we'll revisit that. Yeah, I wrote I got them it. all down. Got them uh, all you down. have you have our answers there? I do have our answers, although I didn't put them with the questions. I just had them. I had them separate. So if you have them well, with the questions, that's perfect. I don't. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get it, to- yeah. we'll, we'll get it yeah. together. We'll get it together. We'll get it together. Yeah. But- if, if we have time for one last note here. Do uh, it. This is just just anecdotal, but a fun little thing. Uh, Love it. You said you get no chance of winning with four interceptions. I used to play uh, Madden with one of my buddies in college. And every <laughs> single time, once he threw his fourth interception in any game we were playing, it just shut off the console. Just that's, I mean, that's the game. That's it. No, no chance. Of, he never once won a game against Cody once he threw that fourth pick. Fantastic. Mac never hit that. I think three was the most he had in a game last yeah, year. Yeah, I so think Mac did. didn't. I don't think Mac ever threw four. So um, let's but, not have that happen this year. Yeah, I know that wouldn't be good. That would not be good. So, all right. So, listen, we're gonna we because it's a special episode. Okay, it is a season. It is a season preview. It's a special episode. So we have we're trying something new. We're trying something new. We're doing. We're doing. We're going to do a new segment on this show, a segment that I used to do on my old show. But not only are we going to do a new segment, we're going to we're going to use for the first time some music right here on your TV as you're watching live. We're going to do some music. I hope it works. I've never tried it before. So let's try it. Here we go. The production value is through the roof. Through the roof. Through the roof. All right. We spared no expense. So uh, here we go. Now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. Okay, there you go. So, the, so this week in sports history, uh, my guy Marcus Estimus, we really, really appreciate it. Love it. That's one of my favorite drops of all time. Um, so, but, uh, but this week in sports history, I got two of them. I got two of them. One of them popped up on my timeline today, on my Facebook timeline today. Um, and that was me being crazy lunatic talking about the Patriots back in 2014 Patriots in 2014 opened up the regular season in Miami and got their doors blown off 33 to 20. Uh, it was to put it in a word. It was ugly. It was tied 20 to 20. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At the half, the Patriots were winning 20 to 10 and proceeded to lose 33 to 20. It was an ugly sight in the second half with, of course, zero points scored and Miami crushing them. No Sean Moreno had a rushing touchdown, if you can believe that. That was 2014. I was preaching patience uh, on Facebook. If you can believe that, I was preaching patience on Facebook. And, of course, ended up working out the Patriots did okay. I think they won the Super Bowl that year, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, this is not a great anniversary for the Patriots, by the way, because I'm going through the schedules. And September 7th is also that opener against the Chiefs. 
where they just got run out of their own building on drop the banner, they banner, the banner night. That night. Yeah, they dropped the banner that night at least. And at they least. played three. They played three quarters of great football. They did. And then one quarter of really bad football. I just remember Kareem Hunt running. It was that was Kareem Hunt's first game. I'm pretty sure first career game all yep. over us, just killing us. Um, and so what I'm gonna what we're gonna try to do in this segment, right? Uh, this is back when I used to run my weekend warrior podcast where I talked about everything, not just Patriots. Uh, and so when I do this, uh, we're going to do Patriots, obviously, but then I always want to kind of have at least one that is just completely off the wall and has nothing to do with football or the Patriots because it's just fun to talk about like old school, stupid stuff. Um, so in night on this, uh, no, I'm sorry, not even on this day on September 8th, 1965, the Kansas city athletics, there you go. Player Bert Campanaris. Played all nine positions in one single game. I mean, if that isn't one hell of an achievement, I don't know what is. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> all nine <laughs> positions in one game. I don't even know. That's, I didn't even know it was possible. But he played all nine positions in uh, in one game. So, so there's your there's your this week in sports history. A yeah. few a few bad losses in my uh, for the Patriots to start their seasons and Pat, uh, ridiculously Pat, it gets, it outrageous feat. Oh, no. It gets worse. I've been going through their history. September 7th is also the 31 to nothing Bills opener in 03. And there was one win in there. The game against the Chiefs in 08, which I don't even think we can count oh, as a win. No. They did win that I, game. That was bad, yeah. With the goal line. I remember where I was for that game. Because I was, here, this will make you feel old. I was in middle school at the time. <laughs> and I was yeah. pitching Little League. And I was the closer for our team. And, you know, for Little League, the games are all packed together. So at the end yeah. of the game, the next team start to come into the dugout. Right. I remember just being on the mound. And I heard one of the kids from the other team coming into the dugout, like, yelling. And he goes, Tom Brady's injured. Matt Castle's playing. And I immediately, like, walked the next two guys. My dad was the coach. He comes out. And he's like, hey, like, what's going on? Like, you can't find your pitches. And I was like, I heard Tom Brady's hurt. And he's like, are you kidding me? This is so what we're good. focused on right now. That's so good. Oh, yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. You were you were destined for this all along. Uh, it's so good. I was in the stands for that game. I was in the stands for that game. Lee, uh, Lee no, Bernard Pollard. I was going to say Lee Flowers, but yeah. that was the 01 injury uh, was Lee Flowers. Brad Pollard, just an absolute scumbag of a of a player. I don't know how he is as a human being. Got, I don't. I don't want to. True market death around that guy. Oh yeah. Just oh, yeah. Every every Patriot he touched. Twenty eleven, the Patriots won the Super Bowl in twenty eleven. If it's not for Bernard Pollard, so just yeah. is and he's he he's the one Welker was trying to dodge when he tore his ACL in 09. Just yeah, yeah, just brutal. Yeah. Well, brutal. Behind, the, the last Patriots win on September seventh that didn't include losing Tom Brady was in uh, ninety seven at the Colts, thirty one six win. Ninety seven, Drew Bledsoe, love it, love to see it. All right, well, that's what we got. So that's what we got. So, so you can expect more from us in this week in sports history uh, at coming through through the rest of the season. Uh, and again, like I said, we'll obviously have some Patriots stuff because it's a Patriots podcast, but. We'll throw some funny, you know, some ridiculous stats in there uh, from time to time, just just to make it fun. Yeah, just to make it it fun. So we appreciate you guys, uh, you guys listening. We're going to be back. We are. So I guess it's a small little announcement. Of course, it's not really much of an announcement since I'm doing it an hour into the show. Um, But um, since uh, since we have a little bit change in programming, we will be coming out with a show after every game, like a quick recap after every game. 
Uh, and then we'll also have our weekly Friday shows as well. So uh, we'll have a preview show and we'll have a, a breakdown show as well. So uh, we, we got extra content for you guys coming uh, coming this year. And uh, Dark Blue Gold, we appreciate you, you know, saying uh, we had the all through the offseason. We appreciate that. You know, we try to keep it going and uh, and it's been good. And so Matt's obviously with us now. We, we had a different crew at the end of last year and even through most much of the offseason. But uh, I'm excited about about where we're headed this year. I had my first article go up today, too. So that's right. Good about that. Big yeah. news. But, big news. Yeah. But yeah, we appreciate the comments. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts or questions for us during games, you want us to answer specific things you want us to talk about afterwards, send them our way. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or jump right in the chat and just ask what mm-hmm. ask away and we will we will happily respond. So but mm-hmm. uh, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And we will uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday after the Patriots first regular season home game. Oh, that feels so nice to say. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Got to iron my jersey before Sunday now. Ah, there you (laughs) go. Love the commitment. Love the commitment. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon.